Welcome to another edition of the It's Cavalier podcast. As always, it's your boy Mac. Joining me today, my friend, my co-host, Corey Walsh of Fear the Sword. Corey, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing great, Mac. I, uh, I, you know, Mac did a really great job with this intro, and it's been around for a while. But for some reason, as I was watching it today, I realized that this man is giving Dylan Windler some serious shade. <laughs> he has these all these for those who don't watch on YouTube. <laughs> he has all these action shots of the players and the lineup. And what does he have, Dylan Windler, in his picture? He's wearing his warm-up gear, running out of the tunnel. What's the slight to Dylan Windler? He gets enough shade from us oh. on a daily occasion. He's never coming on this pod, Mac. God damn it. My friend, this guy did not play before I created that intro. That There's is other cool. pictures you could have used. <laughs> I didn't want to use year one or year two stuff. Like, what fucking year is Dylan Windler in again? I forget. Is it, is it, it is summer league highlights? Come on. Jesus. Ah. <sighs> I knew, you know, I knew somebody was going to attack me for that eventually. I didn't I think know it would why be my I never own noticed this before. <laughs> I'm like, wow, this man is really shooting shade at Dylan Whitler right now. Um, as Doctor Claw seventy seven says down here, yes, um, it is. It's been out for a while. People, I don't think a lot of people probably have, um, you know, take the time, took the time to actually view it. But yeah, newer. Intro. Watch the YouTube people. Newer intro. Um, if you are an audio streamer, you will. Uh, you need to go to the It's Cavalier YouTube page and check that out. But man, it is a uh, just just a boring time to be a Cavalier right now. If you're if it's you're a into sad time, it's if a you're bad into time. actual yes, if you if you're into actual news for the Cavaliers, this is just a boring time. If you're into rumors, this is your time to shine. <laughs> uh, but outside of that, you know, before we get to the rumors section of today's pod got some pretty big news around the NBA right now with the Boston Celtics <sighs> circling around Kristaps Porzingis. Now, well, as I read through the details of this deal, because I don't think it's quite finalized yet, Corey, while I gather those, it what are your finalized. initial thoughts on those? Uh, the I'm honestly happy that the Jared Allen for Porzingis news could finally go to rest for all of those Cavalier fans oh, out there. That you know, just are really bored and wanted 2K manage the Cavaliers and go, you know what this team needs? Porzingis to be healthy the whole time, and then maybe the fit would make sense. But unfortunately, Christoph Porzingis is now just one of many Boston Celtics bigs who will probably see the floor for 50 plus games if things go all right. We're looking at you, Rob Williams. And Al Horford. <laughs> I mean I just said it on Twitter a few minutes ago, but the Celtics pretty much have to trade one of those two. And Al Horford has too much value to has more value to the Celtics than he would to anyone else. You can't have your entire lineup of bigs be injury prone because come postseason time, that's when they all mount up. I mean, and unless you want to drag out Al Horford's carcass again for 40 plus minutes and hope for the best. Hey, then- say what you want about about Al, but man, he's he's found a way to be like very effective for a long time, but I, I, uh, no, I, I think he's super value. I think he's only as valuable to the Celtics though. I don't think there's many other teams where he can be the same type of player. I mean, we saw him go to Philly and he kind of fell off the map almost immediately. Then he went to the thunder, you know, rested up at their little sauna. They told him, Hey, <laughs> Hey Al, like just rest up for your next team. We got your first round pick. So we're good. We're good. Don't worry about it. And now, uh, and now he's just thriving again in Boston. But I, Am I like 
I understood schematically the Porzingis to the Cleveland offense because we were seeing in the postseason playing with two non-shooting bigs. Uh, the Knicks were able to kind of harass our guards all series long. And ideally, having a, a five that can stretch the floor the way Porzingis can. And defensively, he's a decent defender at the rim. So people think it wouldn't be that much of a drop-off. I think people forget how elite Jared Allen is as a defensive big. And just because he's limited to kind of rim running and the occasional elbow jumper, people think offensively he's just kind of a slouch. But I think he's probably one of the best pairings for Darius that he can have. Darius loves pick-and-roll threats. And Porzingis, you know, he doesn't have the same bounce that uh, Jared does. He makes up for it, obviously, by being more offensively gifted than Jared but I think at the end of the day, it's more of a scheme fit. And the way that JB and the offense and the defense kind of work right now, Jared's pretty integral. I don't see the the Cavs trading Jared Allen for another center. I feel like I see them more trying to get a wing for Jared Allen or like like a, an average wing and depth pieces. But like those terrible Dallas Maverick trades that are also getting floated out for Jared Allen as well. But I'm honestly like... I, am I happy that Porzingis is on Boston? No. Am I happy that Porzingis is no longer going to be on Cavalier Twitter for me? Yes. <laughs> I mean, when healthy, and that's the biggest factor, like per, uh, Porzingis, that has always been the one defining factor in his career is health. Like, because when this guy is on the court, he's actually pretty damn impactful. He did play 65 games this year. In those 65 games, 23.2 points, 8.4 rebounds. Uh, shot 49.8% from the field and 38.5% from three-point range. So when people are talking about the Cavs, you know, when they're talking about Porzingis in relation to uh, in relation to the Cleveland Cavaliers, it's all about that spacing. So that's the rationale that people are talking, you know, are thinking. But in my opinion, one, he's a flight risk in regards to injury concerns. Always will be a flight risk. And people are just so... This Knicks series has just turned people into full-on Jared Allen haters, in my opinion. Like, this is a guy who has routinely been one of the most three to four impactful Cavaliers on this roster over the last three seasons or so. Like, this guy is that important, especially to the interior of that defense. And again, as Dr. Claw says down here, people forget what bigs were like pre-Allen. Like, do you remember the bigs that we had in town prior to that? I mean, I mean, 2019 Tristan Thompson was cool. <laughs> he I was mean, banging for, threes for the limited time that we had him. <laughs> uh, you know, that was an injury year for Tristan too. I don't think he so- suited up for a full season. No, but God, those games were electric, <laughs> to say the least. He was pulling up freely like Steph Curry. I mean, come I mean, on. That was just the time for Tristan to unleash the bag, right? <laughs> Marquise <laughs> Chris was the time. I mean, come on. Uh, Andre Drummond, you know, you can go down, go right on down the line if you'd like to, but I don't like to remember that part. I know you don't (laughs) circling back to just this trade in particular. It's, it's supposed to be a three team trade apparently between the Celtics, the wizards and the Clippers, where I guess the Clippers are going to possibly give up the 30th pick and, um, Malcolm Brogdon. So yeah. Yeah. They're going to get that. So it's just, It's probably going to work out for everybody. My biggest thing here is that it just would not have worked out for the Cavs. Like, I don't like that fit at all. 
No, but I, uh, you got to see what the Wizards are doing here. They're just like kind of like everyone's like they're like the goodwill right now of the NBA. Like people are just dropping their crap off. No one wants. They're like Marcus Morris. There was a report today that he's like, yeah, I don't want to be in uh, in L.A. anymore. I wasn't happy with my role and I didn't like my minutes. And now the Wizards just go like, all right, we're going to lose Porzingis, whatever. Oh, you want to give us Marcus Morris? We'll probably just buy him out, but we'll keep we'll take the, the picks as well. Like that's cool. Now they have Chris Paul to dangle around. It's kind of like the OKC Chris Paul situation a few years ago. Like they might just carry him out into a season or halfway through if they don't like the market that's available. Because we all, I feel like I feel pretty confident in saying that Chris Paul is going to have value to some team down. If not now, then at the trade deadline, like I could see the Lakers or the Clippers if the Brogdon thing isn't kind of going the way they want, but. Some team of playoff aspirations is definitely going to scoop up Chris Paul. Tom, I love you, man, but $30 million is what Kuzma is asking for. Hell to the fucking no. <laughs> I mean, Mike Struess is probably going to ask for 20 plus million. doesn't mean they're going to get it. Like Kuzma, I get it. You aim high. I get it. That you, you come in with your big-ass offer, and then you, it gets whittled down. <laughs> Tom says I'll pitch in if you can't see that, but I'll also pitch in Tom. I'll give him one of those like really expensive coats that he likes to wear where you can't see his arms, where he looks like one of those car shop inflatables. This motherfucker's not getting 30 mil. I don't know what his agent, you know, what his agent is telling him. I don't know what he's telling his agent, but he's not getting 30 mil. I think he's I, a clutch client, if I'm not mistaken. So, I you know, LeBron's so. probably whispering in his ear, like, you know, the Lakers can't give you that, but we'd love to have you back for like the vet men. And for some reason, players would be like, oh, my time with LeBron wasn't toxic at all. I'll go too. Look, man. Kuz would be a worthwhile addition if you can get him on, you know, at the mint level exception, a full mid level. I'd give the full mid level for him, but you know, the only possible scenario in acquiring Kuz is probably a sign and trade, right? Like, um, yeah, unless he goes to the full MLE. I was, I, I know there's like no like logical reason why the Wizards would want Karis Levert, but if it came down to a Karis Levert Kyle Kuzma sign and trade, I'd probably be down for that just for the fit. Of yeah. getting a th- a true three in there, but otherwise it would like it'd be pretty tough to finagle it. And I mean, the Wizards maybe would want some combination of Jetty Dean Wade for Kyle Kuzma. That could also be a fit, but we'll see. I mean, it's like I you have to get in the Wizards' minds because they're obviously an asset grabbing mode and i don't know if jetty osmond and dean wade are really gonna move the needle for them to be like oh you know these could be foundational building blocks <laughs> that we could use here it's a liquidation sale i mean that's literally what it is you're like we're tearing this shit down to the studs we got rid of beal we're just gonna move everything that we can and just really just hard reset so no I beal definitely- no porzingis no mm-hmm. kuz like kuzma's probably gonna go out or the the they'll be like the new ownership or the new GM will use Kuzma as their quote unquote building block because God knows Corey Kispert can't go on a billboard. Okay. So here's a question for you that Tom just posted Levert and Akura for Kuz. I'm just going to say it up, say, yeah, that's too much, but Corey, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, no, I feel like it would have to just be like Levert and the second rounder for Kuzma, if anything, but even then it just feels like you're kind of exchanging an, like, you got to feel good two player. roles instead of one at that point, too. Yeah, I think Okoro is just uh, a little too much on it. But I also, again, I don't see the logic for Washington 
that they would want Karis LeVert. They don't want to take a player on. I feel like they're, especially when it wouldn't fit with the timeline that they're going to have. Karis LeVert's a player that should go to a playoff aspiring slash contending team, not yeah. a rebuilding team. I mean, if you want to watch your players not touch the ball when Karis LeVert decides to go back to ISO heavy play styles, then uh, yeah, sure. Let your, uh, your young players rot then. Well, when I had Evan on the other day, he had mentioned about a possible Houston acquisition for Karis. Um, you know, if they strike out on some of the bigger names, I know that they're heavily going to heavily going to weigh going after James Harden and whatnot. And so, if they miss James Harden, they might look at a guy like Karis Levert. You know, to I, I just think they're going to consolidate some of that young talent there. So, I think that would make some sense if that would be one of the potential suitors for Karis and. Personally, you know, I'm I'm feeling hopeful that the Cavs retain him. I really felt like Karras took way too much, uh, way too much shit last year. But I do understand that people want to bring in like a true wing. It's just the avenues to be able to do that are kind of tough right now without including Jared Allen or you know pulling off one of these big time signing trades. But I'm just I don't know, man. There's a lot of different directions that this this front office can go in if they want to shake things up. I just, I'm kind of hoping they don't. And, yeah. But I feel like with the Karis Levert thing, the only, the, the hesitancy I have is if we're trading him, it has to be for a starting three because we're weak. Like you're kind of strengthening one thing and then weakening the other because the Cavs bench has like no offensive punch to it whatsoever. And the starting three is also a hole. So by trading Karis, you would hope to have strengthened your starting five, but then also trying to do patchwork with the bench with some version of like your MLE or trading up or something to acquire some bench firepower. Otherwise, like I wouldn't just want to trade Karis Levert for someone who's also just going to try to replace Karis Levert. For cheaper, I think Karras is a very valuable six man for us. And while we're still waiting for players like Ricky Rubio and Dean Wade to kind of get back to full strength off of injury, then we really can't just finagle like trying Kobe being savvy and trying to scrape the bottom of the barrel for points off the bench. I mean, that's perfectly valid. I mean, they're at. The core, at just at the heart of this issue right now, the Cavs are having to kind of balance the timeline of Mobley's development along with the Mitchell window for however long he's here. And that's a difficult thing to juggle. That's essentially the line that they're towing right now. And so if you believe that your title window hinges on Mobley's shoulders truly and not Mitchell's, you have to try and do your best not to react so swiftly to the one playoff loss and, and not just blow everything up because it just didn't go well. And at least that's my mindset. If you feel like in the next one to two years, the Cavs could certainly compete for a title, as long as you're getting back viable contributors, you're like – guys who actually bring something to the table and not just trying to move Jared Allen out for a bag of Doritos, you know, it, it's understandable, but that's, that's the situation that we're finding ourselves in right now. And speaking of Jared Allen, just this thought that was presented down here, uh, Max Cleaver, Reggie Bullock, Josh Green, and number 10 pick for Allen. Is that something that you would consider Corey? I don't think Matt Dallas would even offer that. If I'm being honest. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, and by I don't think I, you know, I have a good pulse on the Dallas situation. And uh, no, they wouldn't do uh, three valuable role players in the 10 for Jared Allen. I think that uh, Jared Allen, as great of a player as he is, I don't know. It seems like the price to get into the top 10 these days is getting steeper and steeper. And I just don't think Jared Allen would be that type of player for them. I don't know. This ain't about what the Mavericks would do. This is a question. Would you? Oh yeah, no. I still probably, (laughs) I probably still wouldn't. Honestly, I, uh, I just, I like the fit offensively and defensively with Jared Allen. I mean, it it does hinge on Mobley's development a lot for the Mm -hmm. offensive fit to have long term growth. But yeah, no, I wouldn't do it for that. I think Jared needs to be moved for a contributing three. Yeah, listen, no, tune in, Sports One. No, we are absolutely not checking out on Jared Allen. I think people have, like I said, what, like I started this whole topic off by saying, I think people have let this Knicks series kind of like completely turn them against Jared Allen when Jared Allen is a borderline all-star big man. I mean, he is literally giving you about 14 and 10 as a fourth or fifth option on a nightly basis while anchoring the, the defense. I mean, say what you want about his lack of offensive skill, you know, in relation to some of the other star bigs out there. But I think it speaks volumes that Jared is like willing to just accept whatever role the Cavs give him in terms of offense and still give you a highly impactful level of defensive play. We're so. a season removed from Jared Allen being an all-star. I mean, it's it's easy to look at that Knicks series because it's the last thing we saw. So it's what's burned into everyone's eyeballs and just think that Jared Allen was awful in that series. And maybe, yes, he was played out of that series. But we see great players in the NBA get played out of series all the time. And they learn to adapt. I mean, the playoffs is different. This was a playoff experience uh, like for a lot of our players on the roster. And for every finger that can be pointed at Jared Allen, I feel like because of that stupid quote, he he said, everyone just it's so easy to look at the meme and then just like put all of your pressure on Jared Allen. But I think every Cavalier could honestly have a finger pointed at them and have the same criticism that they didn't show up. I mean, there was maybe one game for each of them that was passable. And outside of that you should take the same slander you have at Jared Allen and put it everyone else. Doesn't mean you should, I don't see anyone being like, man, you know, Donovan was like kind of like bad for his standards in that series. Like we should be looking to move on from him or Darius was really bad outside of game two. We should move on from him or Mobley's wasn't that great in that series. His development's probably over. No, it's all Jared Allen, Jared Allen, Jared Allen. And I get it. But at the same time, there's other players who also, decided to uh not show up in that series <laughs> look it, it was a collective failure you know that at the end of the day that's what it was jared allen just looks like the fall guy because his quote and it, i find it so funny that you know the guy was like human enough to admit that and he's being attacked for it it's just like okay what do you want you, the guy gave you a like a honest answer and against him now but um, we ain't here to make this all about Jared Allen, although that's what all the offseason talk in regards to the Cavs seem to circle around. Uh, one of the names out there that has been floated as a potential acquisition, uh, you know, since today started, it has been Bruce Brown. Now, we got the news that he is planning to opt out of the of his player option 
And he's probably going to seek a bag at this point after winning a title with Denver. Do you think that Cleveland has a realistic chance at acquiring Bruce Brown in free agency? Uh, no, I don't. Nor do I feel like he would necessarily fit what Cleveland is necessarily needing. I mean, this isn't like a perfect comparison whatsoever, but ideally what Isaac Okoro should be is what Bruce Brown is. And I think you can have that growth internally. And Bruce Brown, I feel like, is one of those players that's... I was telling Mac before the pod that I think Bruce Brown is one of those players who teams who are loaded in cap space that strike out on the quote-unquote bigger names. I say quote-unquote because this market's kind of weak. But uh, the the strikeout on those players are going to look to players who are solid like Bruce Brown and throw the bag at them because you have to spend the money one way or the other or else it's going to burn a hole in your pocket. Like, you're not saving. It doesn't carry over. So no team is going to be like, oh, well, you know, this draft, cl- this uh, free agency class is kind of horrible. I'm just going to stuff this in my pocket and wait till next year and double down. They have to spend it. And spending it on Bruce Brown for a team like Houston, if they miss out on James Harden, which all it seems like based on reports that that's not going to happen. They're going to be going, throwing money for veteran presences at role players. So I could see a team like that that just throws the bag at Bruce. I think Bruce is like right outside of MLE range. Yeah. And that's like also the the NBA title tax kind of where teams that are on championship rosters, you can argue they have quote unquote championship pedigree because they've been through it before. So I think Bruce Brown squeezed his way out of MLE range. And I would, I would say I'm not going to say I'm like at all spot rack or anything, but I could see him making like a 15 to 18 per year because now he's moved into valuable role player type discussions. I think that's reasonable uh, to say. I mean, when you're talking about the comparisons between Isaac Okoro and Bruce Brown, there's a lot of similarities there. I just think that Bruce has obviously had more time to develop, right? He's on Mm -hmm. his third team and couldn't find himself in a better place right now than Denver at, you know, heading into his age 27 season, I believe. And when you're just looking at the bare bones stats of Bruce Brown this past season, 11 and a half points, 3.4 assists, pretty underrated playmaker in my opinion, Um, you know, 4.1 rebounds. And then right now to me, the biggest telling stat of all, 35.8% from three-point range, but only came on 3.2 attempts. And so we, we harp constantly on, um, you know, Isaac Okoro's lack of volume in regards to him being a uh, a good shooter. I don't think Bruce Brown honestly gets the opportunities to shoot the ball here either, you know, running such a slow pace. And so I don't know how valuable he would be in that regard. Um, if you're playing Bruce in a faster paced offense, hell yeah, he's going to be impactful. But you could say easily to say the same thing about Isaac Okora right now. The opportunities just are not there due to the pace. So I truly don't know how impactful Bruce Brown would be in that regard. Not to mention that Okora actually shot slightly better than him <laughs> uh, on his attempts. So I don't know. Uh, 15 to, what'd you say, 15 to 18 mil? I feel like that's what like a team with the cap space is going to offer. It's going to be interesting. Him and Gabe Vincent, to me, I'm probably the most interested to see what they get paid. Max Struess's finals, I feel like, kind of capped him at the MLE level. I'd be, I like, I know people are shitting on Struess, but I would still be comfortable adding him. You know, at that at that spot. I mean, we got to be realistic with ourselves. 
uh, at wing especially are not flesh. Any guy that you're bringing in is has potential flaws. Um, even uh, people who have seemed to have fallen in love with like Kelly Oubre and, and names like that. Kelly, while he can put up points, is inefficient as hell too. So, just ask uh, any Warriors fan what their thoughts on Kelly was, and I'm sure they'll give you a novel. Yeah, and then you know you got Tom and you know Doctor Claw down here. I would love to add Grant Williams. I think we both would. He'll make them both. <laughs> uh, that unfortunately, I just don't know. Like, how attainable do you think Grant Williams is now that they've acquired Porzingis? I feel like Grant Williams is as obtainable as Dallas is interested in him because I feel like there's that sign and trade that's being floated around. And I know they said there's reports now immediately coming out that Grant Williams time in Boston is probably over. I know great, th- great reporting guys. That's, that's shocking. I didn't see this coming. And um, I, I, I definitely think he would be a good fit for, for the Cavs. He stretches the floor. He provides shooting. He's, statistically one of the best Giannis defenders in the league so that'd be nice uh I also just feel like even if he doesn't start he would provide good offensive power off the bench so I definitely would be down for it it's just more of what's the market gonna be like because the Cavs are kind of operating with slim uh assets here to tempt if there had to be a sign and trade in place but I don't think Boston is even gonna offer for sign and trades. I don't think they even want whatever salary comes in. So it's really going to be an open market for Grant. So that should be interesting too. He could be another one of those uh, teams with cap space and they strike out are just going to offer him more than MLE to get teams with those hopes out of the market. Yeah, and that's the issue that Cleveland is going to have to you know figure out. And it's likely, honestly, I hate to tell people this, it's probably going to be um, – I think Kobe's going to acquire at least one good rotation-level player in free agency. I think it's going to be at least one, and I'm hoping it's at the wing. But for pe- people that are hoping for you know, one of the bigger names out there, I just don't see it happening. It's possible, but I don't see it. And you know, we, we do know that they have to fill that third big role that is a slot that is really – Killing all. Um, and there are names out there. Those those are ones that you might not necessarily have to use the MLE for. You might be able to use the biannual exception or a veteran minimum deal. Or on. just split the MLE. Among that's certainly players. the route they can go. And, Corey, if they do split the MLE, you know, that's when you start looking at guys like, um, you know, Yuda. You start looking at guys like Seth Curry, possibly. Um, guys who are not necessarily – you know, have, they're the complete players. When you're talking about a Seth Curry, when you're adding him, what is his fault? Health. And, and in regards to the Cavs, size. He is considered a wing, but he's not going to be able to give you minutes at the three, right? And then Yuta, his fault. We just don't know. We haven't seen him be on the court long enough to really say that this guy deserves to be in a rotation long term. We know he had a hot start in Brooklyn, uh, Brooklyn this past season, but you know, due to all the additions they had, he kind of was benched. So you're taking a shot on him. And if you're going to use, if you're going to split the MLE between wing and big, one of the options you can look at, who is not a sexy name, obviously, that I keep shouting from the rooftops, Dario Sarge. Um, there, there are some some names out there that the Cavs are going to look to get, but for anybody hoping to get a big name free agent, I just don't. Yeah, have that. It's going to be some combination of, you know, 
uh, low end rotation type of acquisitions. Yeah, the Cavs are pretty much, and if they split up that MLE, it's going to be for specialists, players that are only hyper focused skill is one thing that they'll be very good at, which is fine. It's just that you have to hit when you're making those specialist type moves. If you're picking someone like Yuda, for example, that you're going to sprinkle some of your MLE on, then you better hope that that stretch where he was a knockdown three point (laughs) shooter wasn't a flash in the pan, but it was actually something that could be consistent when you're picking Seth Curry. You're just going to hope that he'll knock down the shots that you need him to. Otherwise you're just getting a player who's going to get targeted on the defensive end over and over and over. And unless he's hitting those shots in the playoff series, he's going to be right off the floor. So you really, you, the cat, it's going to be tough for Kobe. I, I, I have faith that he'll do right by the Cavs. I know he's, I know there's already people being like, God damn it. Why isn't Kobe making any moves sitting on his ass? (laughs) There's other, there's 26 other GMs in the league that are also not making moves. And I don't think their fans are like, damn, we're sleeping right now. We could be making, what did you want in the Bradley Beal trade for the Cavs? Did you want Bradley Beal? (laughs) Kobe has been active basically his entire tenure in Cleveland. Yes. He didn't make really a true move at the deadline at all, but every other point in his, uh, in his Cavs tenure, he has made some type of move. And I mean, the Donovan Mitchell was his biggest move yet. That cleared a lot of assets. There's countless others. The Ricky Rubio trade. There is the Larry Nance trade to acquire Lowry Markkinen. There, there's just been so much movement in regards to Kobe. So this guy's not sitting on his ass. He hears the fans complaining. He knows the pulse, you know, of the city. So I'm sure he's working the phones right now. They're trying to figure shit out, but need to be patient. And I know it's something that people are going to have to kind of just just sit there and, and enjoy what we are seeing right now because we just got the first playoff appearance in, what, five seasons, and it's been a buildup, you know, uh, since JB took over. 22 wins, 44 wins, 51 wins. I'm excited to see what happens next season, provided this team gets additional depth. Now, one of the ways to acquire said depth is through the draft. When you don't have a lot of assets to trade, you have to grow internally and and home grow some of your talent. And we know as of right now, it's been kind of rumored that the Cavs are looking to move up towards the end of the first round in that mid-20s range, early 20s, you know, somewhere around there. Um, if the Cavs are able to execute a trade to move up into that range, is there a particular prospect that you would like to see them select? Oh, Mac. You sweet, sweet child. Of course there is. It's Jordan Hawkins from UConn. (laughs) I have seen him mocked anywhere from 20 to 24, which means I'm going to get heartbroken because he'll get taken at 12. It's going to be my (laughs) worst nightmare. But yes, what is the one thing the Cavs need? A movement shooter. This is what Jordan Hawkins is. Now, necessarily, you know, it's a draft pick. He's not an automatic guarantee, but the prospect of what he could be is exactly what the Cavs need. And I see rumors on Twitter right now that the Cavs and the Blazers are linked for the 23rd pick. So if Jordan Hawkins is available or any movement shooter under the sun, please, or a small forward in general, these are the types of players the Cavs need. I, for some reason, um, Hawkes from UCLA is also extremely moving up draft boards. So something gets me a little fearful that the Cavs are going to dump some assets <laughs> to get on the Hawkes. 
And if that's the case, I will cry. But yeah, Jordan Hawkins is my guy. I will ride with him until he is picked by like the Nets. And then he is no longer my ride or die. Look, Jordan Hawkins, I mean, 16.2 points per game this season with 38.8% from three-point range. Definitely a movement shooter. So High volume. Yeah, high volume. That's the biggest thing. Like, we can't be fooled by these percentages. So thank you for bringing that up. Um, We do need movement shooting. We do need guys who can go out there and give you minutes at the two, possibly the three. So he definitely has a size to do that. I just It just all comes down to whether or not they can actually move up to facilitate the selection like that. Now, another name out there that people seem to be very keen on, and I see it in the chat down here. I'm also pretty high on this guy, and that's Bryce Sinsball. Um, I would love it. I just don't see it happening. <laughs> like I, I real, I truly do not. I think that the fit would definitely, it would definitely work. I just don't know what the what the feasibility of this actually happening is. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to talk myself into believing <laughs> that that is the route that we're gonna go. But I do love that name. I love both of these names actually. But the much more likely scenario, Corey, is that we're stuck at 49, right? That's the much more likely scenario is that we're going to be selecting there. Now, there are a handful of prospects that I have my eye on. I highlighted one of them earlier on the YouTube channel, which you guys can check out. We'll talk about in a minute. But is there any names in that 49 range that you are thinking that the Cavs might be able to kind of kind of get under their wings and, and develop a little bit for the future? I mean, players that intrigue me are uh, obviously Amani Bates, but everyone has talked about him, so I'm not going to waste time on Amani Bates. I think everyone. Way to throw me under the bus. (laughs) Uh, uh, Sorry about that. (laughs) I mean, Max video is great, but if you listen to everyone else's, it's not going to be as good, so don't waste your time. Um, Also, (laughs) Andre Jackson from UConn is also very interesting. He just reminds me of. Uh, he just is a guy who's great at everything. He just needs his shot to fall, and he's willing to take it. Uh, there were times in that UConn playoff, or uh, oh my god, playoff championship run, where Andre Jackson definitely did not have it, but he gives me Marcus Smart type of impact. Where when he is hitting him, it's definitely noticeable. But defensively, he's great. He has good offensive ball skills. He's kind of like a point forward the way he can bring up the ball, he at would add to our perimeter defense. He's definitely, I know people will say that the last thing we need is another player that can't shoot. And I am one of those people. But when I watch Andre Jackson, I truly believe that he is going to be an NBA caliber player. He may not be a starter, but he will be one of those impact players off the bench and if the Cavs miss out on him, he's just going to go to another one of those playoff teams and immediately you'll hear about him next year. What's what is the viability or what's the feasibility rather that anybody selected a 49 is a day one contributor? Or do you think they're all oh. likely to be projects? Oh, all, all of them are going to be projects. <laughs> it's like if they were day one impact players, they would have been uh, been taken in the first round. These teams see the players when they have them in for workouts, they know what they can see. And if they feel really strongly about a player, they're going to reach up and try to take them. I mean, think about Josh Primo in San Antonio two years ago. I mean, it didn't really pan out at all, but no one thought that Josh Primo was going to get taken as highly as he did. Obviously the Spurs saw some kind of ceiling with him. They didn't even play him in his first season really, because he was so young, but it's like you take those, flyers on players that you see in workouts regardless of where they are mocked to go because teams are unpredictable we're going to see 
the uh, like 99% of mocks are going to be wrong and someone's going to crack that top four and we're going to all be jaw dropped. You remember last year we sat here, we did the live draft day stuff and with all these names, AJ fucking Griffin was still on the board. Oh my God. Uh, I mean, we had, there was, not that it mattered. No, obviously no. Whoever we picked was going to be moved in that deal. But you know, it just, it just goes to show draft day is a shit show in regards to actually knowing like where guys are going to go. These mocks don't, don't matter at all. Like they give you like a blueprint. They give you something to kind of say, Hey, this, this, this makes a little bit of sense. Maybe this is a bit of an outline that I can go off of. But when that, when that time comes, you just, it's so unpredictable. You don't know what the hell to do. I think mocks that go all the way through the second round are hilarious because I'm like, you don't fucking know who what's going to happen 30 through 60. Like that has to be the most, like I guarantee you they do the one through 30 for best fits and then they are based off rumors. And then from there on, they're just like, all right, what's my, what's my board look like? Who's best available. All right. We're just slotting them all in. Cause they had like for the longest time on the ringer specifically, they had the calves mocked to like some seven foot two center that couldn't move whatsoever. And I was like, well, who is this serving? <laughs> I mean, you just, you never know in that range. And you honestly, it's a crapshoot when you're talking about, <laughs> it's a crapshoot when you're talking about players in that range, as you guys can probably hear my daughter in the background. So that's probably a good time to wrap it up, Corey, uh, before we go on too long here. Or do you have any closing thoughts uh, in this final day before the draft? Uh, no, but I would love to wish Kevin Love happy fatherhood, seeing as, you know, I have to pay respect to my day ones. It was Father's Day, and this one goes out to you, Papa Kev. <laughs> uh, ditto. Uh, as we always tell you guys, if you'd like to reach out, you can at it's Cavalier underscore pod on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and more. If you'd like to be added to the exclusive It's Cavalier Discord chat, you know what to do. Leave a rating, leave a review, send a screenshot of said review to It's Cavalier. 53 at gmail.com <laughs> oh you want to say hi okay okay you gotta you gotta get up higher say hi hi <laughs> say hi to you the millions of fans <laughs> right the, the more like the tens of fans this one's for tom <laughs> all right have a good one go calves go calves <laughs>